I'm Gary Bard, founder and editor-in-chief of today's Caregiver Magazine and Caregiver.com, and your host for our weekly caregiving podcast series. In this podcast, we will introduce you to many of the leading caregiving thought leaders, authors, experts, and even caregivers with famous faces who have graced the covers of our magazine. Actor and care advocate Scott Foley, best known for his starring roles in TV's Felicity, Scandal, and now his new television program, Whiskey Cavalier, has joined the Not On My Watch ovarian cancer awareness movement to highlight the family caregiver's important role in helping their loved ones manage recurrent ovarian cancer. Scott is sharing for the first time his personal story of caring for his late mother during her time with recurrent ovarian cancer. His mother had gone through multiple recurrences over four years with limited options available to her before succumbing to this devastating disease. Scott Foley, it's a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. I know you are a care partner for your mother, Connie, who had recurrent ovarian cancer when you were a teenager. Can you tell me how that affected you? Oh, wow. How much time you got? You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know how to, how to describe it. It's, it's a tough thing to describe. You know, I was so young when my mom was first diagnosed. I was 11 years old. But even at that age, I was the oldest of three boys and with a father who was not just wrapped up in my, my mom's illness, but also, you know, still had to support a family and work a, a full-time job. A lot of the responsibilities um, with regards to her care fell onto me when he wasn't around. And and, uh, and it sounds funny to put a 11, 12, 13-year-old boy in that position, but it's where we were. I spent most of the time when my mom was not in the hospital and when she was at home with us, making sure she was taken care of, making sure... You know, the, one of the biggest things, and it, it sounds sounds insignificant, but wasn't. When she came home from the hospital, she would be in her room, you know. Uh, she was in pain, uncomfortable, and sick from the medication, the chemotherapy, and the radiation, and needed quiet, needed dark, needed to be left alone. And that was a responsibility sort of fell onto me to make sure my younger brothers were not running around the house bothering mom, leave her alone, give her some time. I remember sitting on her bed with her when chemotherapy wasn't doing what it was supposed to do and, and going over her visualization techniques and her breathing techniques and doing that with her and just being there. And it's, uh, it's a difficult responsibility and, and a lot of pressure to put on uh, a young child. But, you know, like you said, one that has shaped me and made me who I am. It, had I not lost my mom, and this is a strange thing to say, I would, I would probably not be where I am today. I, I don't think you'd be talking to me or if you, you would, you wouldn't, people wouldn't be wanting to listen. Um, you know, because of her death at a young age, I, you know, followed a path that was probably not the path I would have taken had she lived. Uh, and that's all due to due to this devastating illness. We always say that uh, caregiving is a, a, a family issue. It doesn't just fall on one person without affecting the other members of the family. How did it affect your relationships with your other family members? Oh, man. Um, well, while we were... While we were in the midst of it, while my mom was still alive, uh, we held our relationships together pretty well. Uh, I, I think the, the relationships that had changed was the ones between my younger brothers and myself. I was no longer just, you know, their older brother, but but more of a um, a parental figure to them. And you know, my dad relied on me to do a lot of the things that he wished he could have done himself, and that uh, that changed our relationship. But I I think the biggest 
change in the relationship within the family came after her passing. You know, everybody deals with death in a different way. We all, you know, you've heard it for years. Everybody says it. We all grieve in different ways. We all cope differently. I was going through adolescence. I was 15 when my mom passed. And <laughs> it's a difficult time in any any kid's life, you know, dealing with the onset of adulthood and, and you know, who am I? Who do I want to be? But it put a, a huge strain on my relationship with my father and, and in turn the rest of my family. We were estranged for a while after that. I was uh, rebelling. Um, you know, looking back, I know that it was because of not just adolescence, but mostly the loss of a parent. And it, it forever changed our relationship. I mean, my father and I, thank goodness, for the past 20 years have had a, a great one. Um, uh, and the further away we get from her death, the better it gets. But there was a long time where we didn't speak and things were things were touch and go. What advice do you have for other kids and teenagers who become family caregivers? Oh, that's a tough question. You know, I think every case is different. But if I could say something to the parents of those kids and to be as open and honest and and upfront about it. You know, when we were first told that mom was sick, she had cancer, uh, I think they were trying to protect us. No one ever mentioned death. No one ever mentioned time frames, months left to live. And I, I I think it's okay. I think we don't give kids enough credit sometimes. And I think they can handle the truth. And if you can, and if you're comfortable with it, if you can find a way to let them know the reality of the situation, not just someone's sick, but they're very sick, and there's a possibility they not might not make it, but we're going to do everything we can to try to save them, to try to help them. And and they need your help. You know, so kids are, are the most important part of any family. They need to know that. They need to know that they have responsibilities in this, that they can help, that they are part of this process. And I think involving everybody is is really important, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate that. We just hosted one of our Fearless Caregiver conferences yesterday, and one of our partners was the American Association of Caregiving Youth, and they were on the panel telling story. And at first, we asked everyone, do you know any kids who are caregivers? No one raised their hand. And they explained what it meant, what people go through, and a third of the audience raised their hand because yeah. it it's invisible sometimes on how – these family situations affect the kids. So I really appreciate your uh, your comments there. I think you're going to help a lot of people. Of course, I hope so. Well, look, that's the that's the idea, right? That's why you and I are talking today is, is I, I have not really – look, I've been in the public eye for 25 years, and I, I this is a, a has been a private matter to me and something that I've, I still deal with on a daily basis. Um, but I, I, I know how far medicine has come in the 30 years since my mom passed and uh, partnering with Tesoro on the Not On My Watch uh, movement. And I shot a PSA for them, uh, yeah. which is so important, and getting the word out. You know, if people could go to notonmywatch.com and check out my PSA, if they like it, if it appeals to them, if it if it resonates and touches them somehow, if they share that on social media, uh, there'll be a $5 donation for every share. It's $5 donation for every share uh, to um, uh, various advocacy groups. It's a, It's a really big deal. I was on the site. I saw it. Not on my watch is a great program because anything that uh, gets us aware, gets us connected, makes us realize we're not alone as caregivers or as people living with uh, issues such as ovarian cancer. It's uh, empowering. It really is. So what do you hope to achieve by sharing your story now for the first time? Oh, man. You know, I, I for me, as personal a story as it is, I know how much it's affected me. 
and and uh, and really change the course of my life. If we can let people know, let women know, let families know, that those that are struggling with recurrent ovarian cancer know that that when the doctor says, "Okay, we've we've done chemotherapy and we've done radiation. Now let's let's wait and see what happens." That's not the end. There are there are other options that can be talked about and that should be talked about and brought up to your doctor. There are maintenance therapies now that can ex- extend the time in between recurrences. The the numbers are tremendous. Those that go with or without maintenance therapies, the difference is just amazing. And and I I hope one day to put you out of a job. <laughs> Good. I, I, you know, I hope one day that that people take advantage of the advances in medicine and that medicine gets to a place where we don't have to have these conversations where it's a a no-brainer where it's going to be taken care of but until we're there I want people to know that there's things that can be done that you can be proactive about it you can talk to your doctor about these maintenance therapies that you can make a difference and that's what's really important here and that's why I'm talking about it after all these years well the other thing that happens is uh, like any part of caregiving or care partnering which I really love that phrase is that you need to stay involved with uh, the, the latest, greatest changes in, in medication because five, six, seven years later, you might still think things were the way they were and That's medication right. has advanced. That's right. And you could be in a better place than, than the good place you are now. That's exactly right. How does Not On My Watch empower people living with ovarian cancer? How does it keep them involved and make sure they don't miss any opportunities for new medication advancements? Well, I think I think that's exactly what it does. I think uh, you you ask how it does that. I think just by talking about this and by people being aware of notonmywatch.com and knowing that oh look, Scott Foley told me his story, and because of that, I now know that there's something else I can do. It makes people aware of their options, that there are options out there because you feel so helpless in the moment. You know, we rely on our doctors as we should. They are trained medical professionals, but but when they say you're good. We think we're good. When they say, wait and see, you say, okay, I wait and see. But waiting and seeing is a horrible place to be. You are putting yourself uh, in the hands of fate, and we don't necessarily have to do that anymore because there are now options. And I hope that's how Not On My Watch helps. Well, I also like uh, the fact that you call it a movement. It is a movement. It It is. It really is. You know, I think... You know, you can call it a campaign, you can call it what you want, but by by declaring it a movement, um, it it puts motion behind uh, this campaign, this spot, this idea, and I think that's really important to always stay in motion. You cannot sit back and let things happen. You have to take control. You have to talk to your doctor. You have to know what these options are. What have you heard from people living with ovarian cancer or ovarian cancer care partners that you you may have run into or might have contacted you because of your PSA? I hear from people all the time who have moms or sisters who are struggling with recurrent ovarian cancer, who have lost family members or friends to ovarian cancer, and it's a devastating disease. And I think they don't always know, as I didn't, what the options are. But when they're presented, when they're put in front of you and you're made aware of the fact that you do have options, of the fact that you are able to do something that you're not at the mercy of wait and see. I think, I hope, people are going to be ecstatic. You know, that's that's a big deal. It's a huge deal to 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 be able to take some control back. You know, we put ourselves and our fate 
uh, when we're sick in the hands of these trained professionals, as we should. But they are doing the best they can. And when we push them, when we say, hey, what about this, when we ask questions, that's when we really get everything from their knowledge. And I, I hope that people are able to do that. And you become fearless, a fearless advocate for your loved one and a fearless advocate for yourself. That's exactly right. You are your own best advocate. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, if you had to just tell me the one single most important piece of advice you'd like to share with uh, family caregivers, what would that be? Uh, Man, the one single most important piece of advice I would share with family caregivers um, would be to remember that you're all in this together. You know, it's so easy to focus on the sick person. That's where all our energy goes, you know. And it's great. Uh, it should. But you've got to remember that that cancer, that a, a, a disease like recurrent ovarian cancer hits not just the sick person. It it can take down a family, man. And you've got to take care of yourselves. You have to look, open your eyes and don't just look at the sick person, but look to the people around you. Help them. Make sure that they are uh, getting everything they need from everyone around them. And that's uh, that's as important as making sure the room is quiet uh, and the person is fed and they are taking their medication. You know, it is, it is equally impo- as important. I have a feeling this interview is going to help a lot of people. It's going to make a lot of phone calls to a lot of doctors, I think. I sure hope so, man. I, I sure hope so. I would, I would love to hear that. I would love to have doctors come up to me on the street and say, what are you doing? My, my patients won't leave me alone. And I would be the first to say, good, good, because <laughs> if you didn't know about this, you should. You know, it's a great thing.